Yeah, I've turned down my gain a little bit because I anticipate I will be yelling. Fair enough. Uh, so I've calibrated it. I've calibrated it to mm-hmm. the yelling and not the normal speech. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I just stand away from the mic when I gotta. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like to do the fun bit where I, like, roll back in my chair if I have things that I need to yell about, which I will in this episode. Yeah, I have yeah, multiple it's, pages it's not of like, <laughs> It's not like when I first started podcasting where I was using a gamer headset with a built-in mic, and when I tried yelling, yeah. I blew it out, and so I had to unplug and replug it in. <laughs> oh, Tanner. Jeez. Um... Also, I, I have an idea for a bit to start off. Yes. Um, do we need to sync up our recordings at all first? Oh, shit, oh yeah, yeah, we, we should, should do, do that, that first. too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that first, and then we can get the bit pitched. I don't know who edits this, but whoever it is. <laughs> Lena, Lena, you're used to this by now. <laughs> Lena, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lena, we appreciate you. There's going to be a lot of yelling this episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, happy pride. Let's discuss some fucking crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss this hate crime of an episode. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me. You know, we could just start off this episode by singing science fiction double feature, but that would be a, that <laughs> that would could. be that would be a pain to edit. You want me to do the callbacks <laughs> on it? <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Kit. <laughs> when 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 there's a lot of during the songs in Rocky Horror, there's usually um, the audience is usually yelling stuff in response to the lyrics. So, for example, that's that bit in du- science fiction double feature. It came from, mm-hmm. and then there's a space, and that's where the audience yells "Where?" So it goes, "It came ah. from where outer space." Ah, okay. Actually, it goes, "It came from where outer space." Thank you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I don't have the lyrics pulled up, okay. and I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't have the lyrics, and I don't have the score. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go ahead and introduce the episode. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee uh, recap and discussion, and today, a high-temperature roast of the episode of Glee. Uh, My name is Christina, and I am smuggling ostrich eggs in my bra. Asshole! (laughs) Um, I'm Tanner, and I don't know what the fuck a Triffid is. Slut! (laughs) (laughs) And you may have noticed that was not either of our voices. <laughs> uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Kit. I'm an internet person. <laughs> you may you you may recognize me from such podcasts as Gem Jammer, where I play everyone except the main characters, and I will fight you, where I am a general curmudgeon. <laughs> And also date me, damn it. And also date me, damn it, where I'm also a curmudgeon. <laughs> and today you are going, I would like to nominate you for the role of uh, Hand of the Wrath of God descending upon this episode. <laughs> I was going with dedicated Rocky Horror correspondent, but. 
<laughs> also valid. <laughs> I, can, I can be the wrath of God. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you all. My brain is about 50 different places right now. And I don't remember what we do next. <laughs> um, I think we say who's responsible for this episode. Yes. Uh, which um, is... Oh, wait. Kit is Kit is our, since Kit you are our guest. That's right. Um, yes. Would Never you, mind. <laughs> would you like uh, to talk about any previous history that you have with Glee? Any awareness experience <laughs> with choirs or show choirs or just? I, I figure we'll probably get into your Rocky Horror experience like during the recording. Probably but. yes, but uh, I while I was a bit of a theater kid in high school, I was not much of a performer. I was mostly. Uh, theater tech directing and playwriting in high school. Uh, nice. I am tone deaf. I cannot sing at all. <laughs> I inherited my singing <laughs> voice from my father, for whom the fact that he cannot sing does not stop him from doing so. Uh, <laughs> my experience with Glee, I think I'm a little older than you guys, which means that like Glee only started airing well into when I was in college. So by that point, I wasn't particularly interested in uh, a show that was about high schoolers, but Valid. I think I watched the f- I watched the first two episodes and then I bounced off it pretty hard. And from that <laughs> point forward, my experience of Glee was through uh, two things. Uh, one of which was in in the in the last days of Live Journal, uh, in that mm-hmm. faraway place and faraway time, there was a community <laughs> called Fandom Secrets where people would post <gasps> anonymous confessions about things that pissed them off in various fandoms. Glee was a constant presence, and I was constantly <laughs> looking over at Glee fandom like, the fuck is going on over there? <laughs> oh, God. It's like seeing a glow on the horizon where a city is perpetually burning down. <laughs> and then, <I> two, have- <laughs> And then, too, when two of the boys kissed on Glee, uh... There was such a media brouhaha mm-hmm. that a local journalist who was a friend of my dad decided that uh, she wanted to interview me about that because I was an out person that she knew. <laughs> so uh, she basically sent me a, a, a bunch of interview questions that boiled down to, is homophobia over now that the boys have kissed on Glee? <laughs> my answer, to my answer I, I provided a very long, extensive series of essay answers that basically boiled down to, no, it is not. The resulting piece was 400 words long, and I was quoted for one line. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kit. I don't blame the reporter. That is that is, that is is how reporting goes when you're writing a story like this. The fact that she got the column and just she did for a story like this mm-hmm. is pretty damn impressive. But, like, one time my dad was interviewing a guy for a story, and he was interviewing the guy for, like, two, three hours. Mm-hmm. He ended up using one quote. Everything else yeah. was deep background. Mm-hmm. If if I can, I would like to circle back, Kit, and ask you if you remembered anything from the Glee part of the fandom confessions, the fandom secrets. Uh, I I know that the little gay boy, everyone was shipping him with the big football boy, uh, and then getting yeah. angry when that didn't happen. Um, yeah. I seem to recall a lot of people not liking the the the, the theater kid girl. Correct. Uh, and then. And then there was a blonde kid that everyone was really thirsty for. So yeah, this is going to be a fun episode because I do not remember the names of any of these characters. Yes. So in my head, they're just going to be not Brad, not Rocky, not Susan Sarandon, but doing their best. Uh, <laughs> is she? Is she? <laughs> so... With regards to who's responsible for this episode. Who's this fucking is the responsible Rocky Hor- for this crime? <laughs> <laughs> this, 
This is the Rocky Horror Glee Show. It's episode 5 of season 2. It was released October 26, 2010 for Halloween. Uh, it was written by Ryan Murphy and Tim Wollaston, and the second guy is a new name. It was directed by Adam Shankman of Hairspray 2007 fame. Adam Shankman, how could you do this to us? <laughs> Very easily, um, <laughs> I think. Adam Shankman used this in order to uh, get on to Rock of Ages 2012, I am assuming. And <sighs> and there is no previously on. Yeah. So, I am a Rocky Horror virgin. <laughs> and, which means that this is my own, like, aside from reading, like, the plot summary and, like, Oh, that's not going to help at about, all. Like, <laughs> well, like, like I, read, I read the plot summary of actual Rocky Horror and like i've i've seen stuff various you know like articles about like various experiences of rocky horror and like how it got started and stuff but aside from that this is my only point of reference christina do you have any lipstick in your room <laughs> uh somewhere over there yes could you do me a huge favor and draw a v on your forehead and lipstick <laughs> you know what i haven't washed my face yet i will do this bit <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is just for us. So, yeah. So, sorry, listeners to this audio-only podcast who who won't get this experience. This is just this is just for me and Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, see, I remember. So when my parents found out that Glee was doing a Rocky Horror episode, they made me watch the original Rocky Horror first, and then I watched the Glee episode. And then, like, the week after, I went to an actual Rocky Horror stage production. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you kind of did this in the wrong order. <laughs> I would argue the right order. I, I saw the good version, and then the bad version, and then the best version. Ah, okay. So it's kind of like how the order that you should be watching the Star Wars movies. Probably. Um, and yeah, they, they gathered all the virgins on stage to have an orgasm contest. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I won! Yay! So me and the girl who won- Aw, oh, that looks great. Thank you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let me take a selfie for social media while y'all keep recapping. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was me and the girl who won the contest for the girls got, were basically um, Betty Monroe and the other guy at the beginning of the wedding scene. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> So, uh, Tanner, where you are, is there a regular Rocky Horror showing? Occasionally. It kind of, like, cycles between production companies. Ah, okay. There, there was a guy who was, like, in my high school drama class. He was the- he was capital- he was- he was the Rachel Berry of our school, kind of, sort of. Oh, And no. he was Brad for, like, three years in a row. Because my hometown, Edmonton, like, twice a year, May and October- the a, a local group called the Low Down Cheap Little Punks uh, put Brilliant. on uh, showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Garneau Metro Theater, which is this beautiful old, like almost hundred year old movie theater, and they are absolute idiots for letting us trash it twice a year. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the ritual desecration. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to hear more about my Rocky Horror experience, I guess go listen to the Rocky Horror Picture Show if I will fight you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, the episode begins, yes. give us lips, because it begins with Santana mm -hmm. doing the science fiction double feature. They go right into the lips. 
Yeah. yeah, she does it pretty good too. Like, mm-hmm. it, it opens on this, and you really get the sense that they're gonna be paying respect to this show. <laughs> Rip us, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. A, I'm a fool in a man's shoes uh, for, <laughs> for being optimistic about that. Although having it go right into lips rather than have having these sort of the build up in the theater, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is usually the host, one of the hosts yelling, "Give us ten seconds to lips," and then we chant lips until it shows up. <laughs> that that not having that lead in was a bit weird, but it's a decent yeah. job. It is a decent version of science fiction double feature. Although I am always, I always find it hilarious when the song is performed by actors who have no idea about any of the movies that are being referenced because they are far <laughs> too young for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and it's only one verse. Mm-hmm. We immediately go into "There's a light over at the Frankenstein place." Yeah, yeah. it's. I know that this is a 42-minute episode of television and this stuff has to be abridged, but it is weird going directly from science fiction double feature to There's a Light. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, they're doing doing There's a Light and stuff, and it's like Finn and Rachel are Brad and Janet, and they're kind of, like, wandering through this honestly kind of charming, like, high school theater quality set and stuff. And then Carl, a.k.a. John Stamos, runs in and goes, You've been screwing my woman, Will! <laughs> okay, two things. Then we get a record scratch. <laughs> I actually have fucking record scratch in media res. I have record scratch in all caps in my notes. Uh, <laughs> but two things. One, uh, I, Rachel, the one playing Janet, uh, mm-hmm. is just doing Susan Sarandon. Whether she's successfully mm-hmm. doing Susan Sarandon is a matter for debate, but she's just doing Susan Sarandon. However, yeah. the guy yeah, play- I- the guy playing Brad is not doing Barry Boswick. I don't know what he's doing, but it's way too boy band for Rocky Horror. <laughs> see, see, I'm the opposite. I think Finn is a very good Brad. Mm-hmm. I think Rachel is just playing Rachel, playing Susan Sarandon. <laughs> yes, I would say that as a like the way he portrays the character of Brad is like very stiff. And, like, he's got the vibe. The voice is just mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> I think it's just fun because, you know, it's like, hey, all of these fictional characters are then getting into playing fictional characters themselves. I gotta I gotta tell you, I was not expecting John Stamos to run into this episode. I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> I was just immediately like, is that John Stamos? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah i i couldn't remember if john stamos had been established and i was like all right yeah there was a series of dental hallucinations mm-hmm. yeah yeah he kid he got established in the episode uh where they did britney spears shout outs because he used his anesthesia to give everyone britney spears hallucinations okay Glee. yeah that didn't help at all but thank you <laughs> Um, so then we actually, we get back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Where- How do I get myself into this mess? This is my horror. Let the roast begin. I mean, at this stage, it's still just glee bad. It's not like angry bad. Yeah. Up to this point, it's just been a a fairly mediocre TV show about singing. This episode will make me more angry as time goes on. Oh, yes. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the actual plot of the episode begins, Will meets with Emma for lunch, and he's like, Emma, 
you have the crusts on your sandwich. And I was like, oh, I guess I forgot to take them off. I was just so happy because I went to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show with Carl at a really nasty, gross theater the other day, and it completely distracted me from my OCD for 24 hours. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. <laughs> no, it's not. And then Will, Will is over at the other side of the table. He's like, how dare Emma's boyfriend help her with her mental health. He's winning and I'm losing. So I have to do Rocky Horror because Emma, did you know that I like Rocky Horror too? Did you know we have the same interests? Emma, please pay attention to me. And she's very skeptical. He tries to give her the most awkward high five. It is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Rocky Horror being used as a vehicle for heterosexual jealousy is the first thing that started <laughs> pissing me off about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> heterosexuals in rocky horror it's more likely than you think well they don't stay that way <laughs> <laughs> the thing that i always love about rocky horror is the fact that two separate ostensibly heterosexual people who are in a relationship with each other both look at tim curry and dragon and go oh i can't not fuck him <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's so, Halloween. It is Halloween. Brittany, where are you going as for Halloween? I'm going to be a peanut allergy. <laughs> I wish we could have seen that costume. I'm mildly obsessed with that comment. I do also have something to yell about in the background babble. One thing to me stood out, which is the, 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 the what's the teacher's name? The girl teacher's name? She's counselor? Uh, Emma. Emma. Mm-hmm. Wait. Yeah. As, yeah, as Emma. Emma is talking. She says something along the lines of, oh, next time we're going to go in costumes. Obviously, I'm going to go as Janet because she's ginger. Literally every woman in Rocky Horror is ginger except for Janet. (laughs) Yes. That is another thing that started to piss me off about this episode. (laughs) I don't know if that was on purpose or not. I just don't know. You you truly never know with Glee. (laughs) Yeah. Will Will announces that they're putting on a school play, and Rachel's like, please be Evita, please be Evita, please be Evita. But it's not, because <laughs> Rachel deserves no rights, ever. Yes. Rachel had her rights last episode. She just wants to do Don't Cry For Me Argentina, is that so wrong? She will. She, no, she won't. <laughs> I thought she got Don't Cry For Argentina in, like, season three. No, that's, no, it's Kurt gets it in, in this season. Oh, okay. Good. Kurt gets like two or three Evita songs. Rachel gets nothing. Good. Um, but yeah, w- um, someone says, isn't Rocky Horror a little too horny for high school? And Will's like, we're, yeah, we're going to have to tone it down a little bit. And I'm giving your parents permission slips so that I have your their approval. Uh, yeah, Rocky Horror is entirely too horny for high school. <laughs> Yeah. When I when I when I was in drama class in high school and and the drama teacher wanted to show us like an example of Rocky Horror, she had to show us Time Warp because basically the only clean number in the entire show. Yeah. <sighs> On the flip side, when I went to see Rocky Horror, I was in grade twelve, and a good chunk of my friends who I went with were in grade eleven. Yeah, I was also <laughs> well under eighteen when I saw Rocky Horror for the first time. The point of it is that you're not supposed to see it, but you do anyway. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, at one point, the the teacher points the, the, Will. Uh, his name's Will, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I cannot retain any character names on this. They all look exactly the same to me. They're, they're also Kit. generically attractive. It's like extruded hunk product. <laughs> Honestly, Kit. <laughs> 
like don't don't worry about remembering your names that just means that you'll be able to just like tilt your head and let it all slide out your ear after we get done recording okay it's good to know anyway at one point the teacher's like gay kid you're gonna be playing frankenfurter <laughs> yeah because <laughs> mm-hmm. of and course he's right like, and he's like no i'm not comfortable with that <laughs> And then we get a nice surprise because um, Mike, who is the dancer kid, Kit, uh, he volunteers to be Frank because he's like, I've been feeling more confident about my individual uh, arts skills after the previous episode. I was reeling when I saw Mike because that actor uh, played a character in the one season that I wasted my time watching of Shadowhunters. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was told that there was gay, and therefore I watched the whole first season and then realized that no amount of gay was worth this. Yeah. And also he had a cameo in Crazy Rich Asians. So I I was not expecting to see this actor here, mm-hmm. especially not playing a high schooler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also, 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 the gay kid's Kurt, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kurt rejecting the role of Frankenfurter is part of my grand unified theory of this episode. Oh. He represents the uh, the assimilationist gay perspective of rejecting queerness and gender nonconformity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, kid. Yeah. That is- yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I am, I, I, as someone who watched the last episode of Glee before this. Like, not today before this, but, like, previously on. Like, literally last episode, Kurt did a duet with himself of Le Jazz Hot from Victor Victoria. And Kurt's previous uh, characterization has been gay kid. <laughs> oh, good. So, so the fact that I'm referring to him exclusively as that in my notes is is fine, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of relatable for me, when Kurt says no, when Will assigns him as Frankenfurter, because it does very much remind me of, like, way back in the day when we were going to a family reunion and, like, I was thinking of what I should do for a talent show, and my dad was like, you should do village people. And I'm like, dad, are you only suggesting this because I'm gay? I don't want to dress up as a village people. You guys do talent shows at your family reunions, Tanner? Yeah, we did. I, I, it ended up being me and my cousin singing The Last Saskatchewan Pirate. That works. That, sh- that song slaps. It, it does. Well, and we're from Saskatchewan, so it double slaps. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, I will say that I, I can relate in the sense that I don't want the gender nonconformity assigned to me by the cis uh, authority figure. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, fair. Because also, like, I don't, I don't remember if we, like, brought this up, but, like, when they're saying, like, hey, let's do Rocky Horror. Okay, who wants to be what? They're literally just nominating themselves. There's no auditions. Yeah, that really bugged me. Mm-hmm. And Ed Wheel's like, hey, Artie, you're gonna be. And Artie goes, the character in the wheelchair. That actually got a laugh out of me. <laughs> also, uh, there was a line in here where Rachel was talking about preserving something and mercedes says i'd like to preserve you in a jar in my basement oh and yeah, i it's, fucking it's cackled yeah because will will says that um they're gonna have to double up on columbia's and magenta's because mm-hmm. there aren't as many girl roles and rachel's like yeah it, that, that's standard practice on broadway it'll preserve your vocal cords and mercedes is like i'm just making i'm just like doing like a kubrick stare into the camera <laughs> <laughs> And then Will says that Sam should be the creature, 
And Santana's like, mm, you're going to have to start working out even more because uh, Rocky is like really hot. And Sam's like, don't worry, it's going to be abulous. And yeah. Finn is concerned. You know the thing mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier about extruded hunk product? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, thing, the thing about Rocky in like the movie is that like he's, he's hot and he's muscular, but he's also like, he's, he's, his his face isn't so generically handsome that you kind of lose track of him in the shot. Whereas this blonde kid who's going to be playing Rocky, I repeatedly forget he's in scenes because he just fades <laughs> into the background. Yeah, Glee has that problem. So a fun fact, Kit, I don't know if this will alter your dissertation or not. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but, but Sam, the extruded hunk product, originally he was supposed to be Kurt's love interest. And then at the last minute, they decide that he is more... Um, chemistry with Quinn, the blonde cheerleader, not the dumb one, but the other one. And after that happened, they kind of didn't know what to do with him. So that's why Sam fades into the background, and then Darren Chris is introduced next week. Mm-hmm. Wait, wasn't Darren Chris in the Harry Potter musical? Yes. yes. Okay. That's yes. that's the one that that's the one that Kurt kissed and like there was a whole media thing about it, right? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Just checking. <laughs> so the, the the next scene is mm-hmm. Rachel explaining things to Finn, and she's like, we're doing this entire scene in our underwear because it was raining mm-hmm. before. And Finn's like, this play is really weird. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is the part that makes you weird? Have you not gotten to the point with, like, the double bed switch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. also <laughs> he drops Inception as a reference. <laughs> because 2010. <laughs> because 2010, I guess. Literally, I think it was it last episode, Tater, that they dropped a fucking Avatar <laughs> reference. Oh yeah. Also, during the sequence, uh, the uh, the credits start scrolling by, and I I saw the names Meatloaf and Barry Boswick, and I immediately perked up like a dog that had just heard the word car. <laughs> <laughs> Soon, Kit. Soon. Yeah, I was immediately like, oh, this got more interesting. <laughs> Give them to me. Yeah. The, this. This whole scene is basically like with with Finn and Rachel is basically like welcome to this episode's hot button issue body image. Oh boy, you're gonna do that on the Rocky Horror episode? <laughs> yeah, you know, could have actually done something interesting about male body image on this episode. B- and, then they they didn't. Didn't. <laughs> and then they did. And then they did. They almost did. Yeah. They they blew they blew balled us with the body image. Yeah. Yeah, I, when we do finally see Finn with his shirt off, I'm like, I've been bamboozled! I was promised dad bod! <laughs> <laughs> he looks exactly the same as the hot one. <laughs> I, I have comments on that, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was like, Rachel's like, don't worry, Finn, I think you're hot. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, it's time for the local news. It's time for Sue's Corner Corner. There's a Unitarian monkey wedding. Yes. Because they pulled some random words out of a hat to yep. fill to fill local news and what is supposed to be Ohio. And then Sue, I, I didn't write down everything Sue says other than just the fact that like there was some really nasty imagery, but basically she says that Halloween should be about terrifying children. Yeah. And Sue is like, after her segment, she like walks through the sound stage or whatever. And then there's two men in suits who just like nod approvingly at Sue. It's my boys! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> 
It's Kit's boys. Who are they? <laughs> Those. These are my precious sons, Meatloaf and Barry Bostwick. Meatloaf played Eddie in Rocky, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Barry Bostwick played Brad. These were probably the only Rocky Horror actors they could get. <laughs> yeah. They did ask Susan Sarandon to cameo, and she said, no, thank you. Good. I feel like Tim Curry would have been the natural choice, especially since I don't think Tim Curry said, a, said no to a single thing in his entire life, but he also probably wanted too much money. <laughs> He may have also just been in retirement by that point. This is true. Yeah. Well, hang on. He was in Dragon Age in 2009. So unless he had, like, just retired. Well, that was his last thing. He's like, I'm going to go out on a high note. I'm going to go out on a high note of Dragon Rage. You you don't actually hire uh, Tim Curry for, like, I mean, you hire him for the voice on a video game, of course, but also you hire mm-hmm. him on a video game because he does great B-roll. <laughs> you just point a camera <laughs> yeah. at him and he'll just talk about how great he thinks the project is, even if he thinks it's a piece of shit. <laughs> God, could you imagine Could you imagine Tim Curry in this episode of Glee? Oh, dear God. <laughs> that might have been too sexually powerful. <laughs> <laughs> So, so they're like, I'm sorry, I've broken the other two. <laughs> so, so, so Barry Bostwick and, as my uh, document autocorrected, Meatload. Meatload. We're meat not going to get into that. <laughs> nope. They're, they're playing, like, network executives, and they're telling Sue, they're basically explaining the concept of, like, deadline news and how if it it bleeds it leads yeah Uh, good news is about information great news is about fear yep and i'm over here i'm like okay we get it you're airing on fox in the u.s (laughs) we need stories about mexicans terrorists mexican terrorists ants mexican terrorist ants killer bees and this whole time sue has just been carving a pumpkin into an image of herself yes which i kind of respect (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, they're like, did you know that there's going to be Rocky Horror Picture Show going on at this high school? And Sue was like, I dislike Rocky Horror Picture Show. My sister and I had toast thrown at us because they didn't like to see a disabled person. Uh, the, and- joke, the joke there is that if you go to Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. there's just a scene in the movie where you're supposed to throw toast at the screen. Yeah. It's during the dinner. It's during the dinner party. Uh, Frank yes. Berger says a toast and the entire audience screams toast and then throws it. And it looks like, it looks like Meatloaf and Barry Boswick are, tr- are about to try and correct her on it, but then she keeps going about how like, <laughs> oh, this gave me pathos. And they were like, we would like you to do investigative journalism about the secular agenda because we're in Ohio in 2010. Yep. <sighs> okay. So in my grand unified theory of this episode... <laughs> This episode pretends that what it is asking is, is a movie like Rocky Horror that has a lot of sexually explicit content suitable Mm -hmm. for a high school audience? The answer which is, unequivocally, no! No, it's not! (laughs) However, that's not what they're actually asking. When they're asking, is Rocky Horror suitable for a high school audience, they're asking, is queerness suitable for a high school audience? This episode also comes down on a side of it that I, I, I have a lot of thoughts and yelling about. But 
That's, yeah. You see, is... you see glimpses of, you see the shape of what they're not talking about by its absence. Yeah. Phrases like the secular agenda and later on mm-hmm. uh, Sue using the word bigotry to describe wanting to remove these things from schools. That's where you can sort of see the shape of what they're really talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Obviously, we're yeah. going to get into this more later, but I did message Christina saying, hey, we managed to accidentally create a kink of pride episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Happy June, y'all. <laughs> Happy pride, kids. Uh. <laughs> so, damn it, Janet. A song that I always end up singing in my head whenever someone named Janet comes through my till. Oh, wait. Uh, we, 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 like... We will be going into Damn It, Janet, but first they're doing, like, kind of, like, blocking practice in the classroom, and everybody's like, hey, let's body shame Finn. Yeah. And Quinn yells something about objectification, and then Artie said something really fucking rude and lewd about the size of Santana's boobs. (laughs) Yeah. Oof. I'm sorry, Not Artie. off base for Artie. No, I'm not sorry, Artie. Art- oh. Artie's personality traits are wheelchair and he fucks. <laughs> yes. Well, I suppose yeah. it's better than his personality just being wheelchair. <sighs> yeah. But only by a little bit. It's a very low bar to clear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Santana says that basically they're allowed to make fun of how the guys look because just earlier that day, Artie asked if he could make an omelette out of the ostrich eggs that she was spungling in her bra. That is elaborate in its skeeziness. Like fucking Lord, yeah. fucking yes. Lord Byron over here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they Finn and Rachel are doing Brad and Janet with mm-hmm. uh, Quinn and Kurt and Mercedes in the background as the squad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I do like that they did manage to have the peanut gallery going for this one. Yes. <laughs> and then Sue comes in halfway through and mm-hmm. she's like, I hear you're doing Rocky Horror. And Will's like, okay, so are you going to stop us? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I want this to continue. Because the, her, her thing in this episode is that she needs Rocky Horror to go on and be a failure so that she can get her local Emmy uh, by reporting on it. Yeah. And Will's like, okay, well then, would you like to be the criminologist? And Sue is like, yes, but I get right of revision for my script. And I'd like to take this moment to talk about uh, script revisions in high school theater. Oh, boy. Uh Which is, so, for context here, listeners, uh, I was involved in theater in high school. Uh, I was never uh, liked enough by the directors in order to be able to get any roles on stage. (laughs) Um, Nepotism, gotta love it. But uh, my freshman year of high school, uh, we were going to do uh, the odd couple, but like the gender swapped version because we didn't have that many guys who were involved in theater. Okay. And for those of you who may or may not be familiar with the odd couple, um, there are parts in it where they swear. And we were going to be putting this on and, you know, like selling tickets and stuff. And because the theater director had opinions... She wanted to adjust the script to remove some of the some of the more uh like lewd wording and also remove the swears. And because even though she had opinions, she also had uh creative integrity, she asked, I think it was Simon and Schuster, uh, who owned the script, or maybe it's just Neil Simon, um, but she contacted the press and asked for permission to change it, and they said Yes, but we're going to charge you $100 per word. 
What? <laughs> yes. And of course, you know, we're doing this production in a public high school in the Midwest <laughs> where if she just changed the script, no one would have known and no one would have ratted her out to Neil Simon. <laughs> but because we could not afford the $100 per word script change, the entire production was canceled the week beforehand. Like the oh week before gosh. we would have... We, before we would have done the shows, it was canceled. We already wow. had the t-shirts. <laughs> and my my point is, like, if they, if anyone who, if, if, if Ryan Murphy had known that that was a thing that, um, that play companies, like playwriters could do, he could have very easily made Sue's thing this episode be, okay, well, here, I have rewrites that I am going to suggest to people. And then and then spring the exorbitant rewrite fees on them at the end to say like, oh, well, we can't put this on now because we don't have the money to foot all these fees. I kind of That would have been... That would have been interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure it would have been better, but it could have been interesting. Also, I... I think it could have been better because the bar is low. The bar is quite low. I also want to use the $100 per word uh, change fee to insert exactly one fuck into a play that didn't have it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, again, public high school. We'd all heard swears by that point. Even I, a Catholic freshman, knew swears. <laughs> yeah, but like, listen, it's the Midwest. We've all seen Letterkenny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my take on Sue being uh, given the role of criminologist is that, well, A, it takes away a thing for Artie to do because usually the criminologist and Dr. Von Scott are, like, double cast as the same person. And also, the, um, the criminologist is basically a stand-up comedian. What? The criminologist's entire role is uh, sort of introing and like in introing basically the drastic scene transitions throughout the uh throughout the show or the movie okay yeah and in stage productions or at least the local ones he usually like comes on in the form of a stand-up comedian he actually does like a small set before the show starts about the show and during the um intermission okay okay sue would just be yelling at the audience <laughs> basically just be one long neg I'm fascinated by this character who appears that their entire shtick appears to be is a homophobic lesbian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an underrepresented demographic. <laughs> um, male body image. Uh, the, uh, the boys, mm -hmm. the uh, or well, Finn and Sam and Artie are working out, and Sam is explaining his whole diet to Finn and says there ain't no carpool lane to sexy. And this whole thing is like, oh, Sam, baby, you have an eating disorder. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just straight up an eating disorder that he's describing. Yeah. Sweetie. Yeah. And also, Artie likes porn. Uh, yeah, so Artie, Artie says that because the internet allowed women to get porn more easily, now they have the ability to objectify men as easily as men objectify women. I've read Star Trek fanfiction. I know that's not true. <laughs> I've, I've seen the zines. Artie only reads heterosexual Star Trek fanfiction. 
Ah, okay, the boring kind. He has a very small pool, then. <laughs> yeah, there's there isn't a lot for him to read. <laughs> Artie goes on... Oh, the 2010, I don't even know if Artie would be able to get on AO3. Artie goes on FFNet, and when he sees Kirk, Kirk X Spock, he does not like and he does not read. Star Trek, the only show that repeatedly also straight-baited its audience. <laughs> all the all the interesting heterosexual couples also didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's basically that scene. Mm-hmm. The next scene is Will going into Emma's office, and he's like, Emma. And complaining. <laughs> yeah, basically. he Basically, he says, Emma, you're a Rocky Horror expert, and in order to get closer to you, I want you to be the costume designer for Rocky Horror. Wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't the implication of that opening scene between the two of them that she hadn't been before, or did I read that wrong? No, yeah, do you, you read it correctly. She had not been to Rocky Horror before, but now Will's like, Emma, no one knows Rocky Horror like you do. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about Will and Emma that make people say, oh, dear. Yeah. This is a lot of, oh, dear. Heavy sigh. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely yeah. heavy sigh. Yes. Also, also, also one of the unfortunate news is that Mike comes in and he says, sorry, my parents wouldn't sign the permission slip because they don't want me playing the tea slur. <laughs> yeah. It just comes in and drops a tea bomb because it's 2010 and you can just <clears throat> say that on network television, I guess. Yep. Michael Chang Jr., how could you? <laughs> Look, I'm not putting the blame on, on either Mike Chang or Harry Shem Jr. I am putting the blame on Ryan Murphy. <laughs> Of 2009-2010. Yeah. Uh, I, I, know, def- I, know the, I, I know that it is inherent to at least one song in Rocky Horror. But, but that doesn't mean it's not the slur. Just the, 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 word tra- the words transsexual and transvestite are used. The, t- oh, the okay. T-bomb is never dropped in Rocky Horror. Good. No. Good, I'm glad. I feel like Ryan dropping the T-bomb is him thinking, well, I'm gay, so it's been reclaimed. Yeah, and... <laughs> and and also like I hate that the the presence of a T bomb in this episode is the only mention whatsoever that transgender people even remotely exist. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the only that's the only reference at all to trans people existing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is saying my parents don't want me dancing around like a T bomb. The show sucks. <laughs> yes. So bad. So bad. <laughs> Yes. Remember what last time when we said show good? <laughs> no, show bad. We got, we flew too close to the sun. We had two two decent episodes of Glee in a row, and now it's bad again. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, here's for a small. Here's a time for a small moment of levity. And now this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We get to cut to a, an actually somewhat nice scene because um, we cut to Sue in her office and uh, Becky Jackson, who is Sue's kind of like head dragon among the Cheerios. Um, uh, Becky dressed up as Sue for Halloween, which I thought was fun. Becky is a good character. <laughs> and then Will comes in and he's like, hey, our Frankenfurter uh, stepped out. And so we can't do Rocky Horror without a Frank. <laughs> Uh, my only note on this scene is uh, lol hole to fill, which I assume somebody says we have a hole to fill at some point during this. I can only assume that's why I wrote that, mm-hmm. but also, <laughs> I don't know, I was in kind of a fugue state about halfway through this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I think that's in the scene after the next okay. one. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Because, yeah, so Sue is, I don't know, 
she she's wandering the halls and she sees Carl and Emma. She sees John Stamos and Emma like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh being all giddy about the Rocky Horror costumes that they've put together mm-hmm. and Sue's like get your BDSM out of this school. <laughs> BDSM has no place in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> If 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 a housewife from Ohio sees a leather corset or a feather boa, they might just drop dead on the spot. <laughs> it might kill them instantly. <laughs> or, wait, is it, is it Mike Pence from Ohio? I thought Mike Pence was Indiana. I I know because I remember Annie being very irate that first he ruined ah. Indiana and then the country. Valid. I've also then that ruins my joke. So never mind. <laughs> But yeah, then then Carl is like, actually, they're costumes for Rocky Horror. And Sue, like, she has a heart attack and collapses into a chair. Has a heart attack. <laughs> quote, quote. They already did the heart attack plot one time this season. <laughs> yeah. Sue's like, you know, I love the arts in schools. And when kids aren't exposed to the arts, they turn to drugs. And drugs lead to tooth loss. And did you know that 70% of the teeth in this school are wooden? <laughs> I... Don't know how to process that, just like as an arrangement of words. Sometimes Sue just says things. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how much of what this character says is ad-libbing, and how much of it is just a screenwriter wondering what it is they can get this actress to say on camera? <laughs> I think most of it is the latter. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so it's it's like it's like the actress who plays Bride of Chucky, where she'll just say anything on camera. Yeah, the the ad libs are mostly Brittany, the the peanut allergy. I think most of Sue's stuff is scripted. Mm-hmm. So Carl goes into the room, and this is where he says, "You have a hole to fill, and I'm just trying to fill it." There and we go. Santana in the back, Santana in the background, wanky, wanky. Kit, fun fact: Santana's a lesbian. Okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will says that Carl has to audition. Carl's the only person who has to audition. <laughs> we can't just assign you a role, despite the fact that this is what they've been doing the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And he sings, uh, so the musical number that he does for his audition is Hot Patootie. Yep. Um, I've just now remembered that John Stamos is a beach boy. <laughs> wait, what? Huh. <laughs> he was literally in the Beach Boys? <laughs> He's literally a beach boy. <laughs> He plays drums for them sometimes. Fascinating. Huh. I don't have an explanation for why he's a beach boy. I just know that he is one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so he, he sings, yeah, he sings Hot Patootie, also known as Whatever Happened to Saturday Night. He's no meatloaf. Which is one of my favorite Rocky Horror songs. And It's he, very good. He does it's do a pretty so good job, good. actually. I mean, he's no meatloaf, and I feel like Adam Lambert did a better hot patootie than this, but yes. he's o- he's okay. You can't fuck up hot patootie, really. You can't really do it wrong. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. you do like unless you do like an acoustic cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even then I would be interested to find out how that goes. Yeah. Mournful acoustic hot patootie with the same emotional range as like, hey there, Delilah. Oh dear. Oh god. This is a cursed thought. <laughs> this is this is a cursed thought that we've created. <laughs> may, may I replace it with my first note from this musical number? Will is cucked. <laughs> <laughs> Will is cucked for most of this season, and you'll love to see it. Yeah, because the, the whole musical number, like, everyone else is having fun and doing, like, swing dancing and, like, pair dancing and stuff, and Will's just sitting in the corner, like, 
everything I know about this character, watching him get cucked, I'm like, love to see it. Just love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like him one bit from the bits I've seen of him, so watching John mm-hmm. Stamos of all people show him up is very good. Also, I don't particularly like John Stamos, so that should tell you something. Yeah. Yeah, so Will and Sue are disappointed because they say that they don't need an Eddie. They wrote Eddie out, which I'm not sure how you could write Eddie out of Rocky Horror without also writing Artie out. Yeah, writing Eddie out also writes out Dr. Scott, which writes out the back half of the movie. Yeah, like, like is, is Finn saying that them doing a scene in their underwear is weird, the weirdest part of the play? Is that just because they cut the entire alien subplot? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Or the cannibalistic dinner party. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the thing. I feel like the cannibalistic dinner party would be fine for teens. But if they ever got into the area of being gay on stage, that's when it's like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're on Fox. You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so so Carl says it's fine to wear a bustier in the privacy of your own home, but it's inappropriate for a high school musical. (sighs) So we're getting back here again, I guess. we're, Mm -hmm. We're here now. Yeah, we're we're here again. We've circled back around to this fucking through line of the episode. Yeah. And he though he in his defense, he does say at least if I was Eddie, I wouldn't have to grind against the students, which is a yes. good point. And also in the background, Santana raises her hand and then Mercedes pushes it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's something that like we haven't like mentioned that has been happening in the episode because a significant portion of this episode is people telling Will this is not an appropriate musical for you to do with high school students, and yeah. especially now that adults are involved yeah. as acting as actors in the show. A not insignificant part of this show is just people fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, and mm-hmm. you know. I- I'm pretty sure, I'm pr- honestly, I'm pretty sure you could get away with a high school production of Rocky Horror and not change too much of it. Like, you could definitely fade to black some of it. There are high school, if there are high school productions of Rent and Spring Awakening, you can do high school Rocky Horror. <laughs> anyway, in positive news, hey, guess who gets to have a fucking line this episode? It's Mercedes. Because Yay. she volunteers to be Frank and steps up and she's like, hey, you know what? There's an opportunity for me to be a lead role uh, in this musical. So I would like to, uh, I would like to be Frank. And I'm like, yes, let Mercedes be a main character. And she evokes, uh, don't dream it, be it, which is uh, part of the lyrics of one of the songs. And... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and how, how y'all feel about that? <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Don't Dream It, Be It is like the favorite lyric quote of every teenager who has ever seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. To the yeah. point where, like, one time I was at a showing and the theater had a brownout and <laughs> the projector went out. Which meant, which meant that the, um, the host of, uh, the host of the evening, who is a guy named Lucas Christensen, who incidentally is also a writer at Bioware. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> this is, this is what he does twice a year when he's not writing at Bioware. Gets up on stage nice. and he decides he's going to spend the time while we wait for the power to come back on, uh, reading a series of reviews that he'd printed out, which were IMDb reviews of Rocky Horror Picture Show by 14 and 15 year olds. Uh, <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Which That's were, kind of heartwarming. 
Yeah, which were the invariable uh, litany of uh, this movie changed my life, etc., etc. But in an adorable, but also like tremendously cringy way because they're teenagers. So they don't know why they like movies yet. They just know that they like them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's what Mercedes invoking Don't Dream It Be It basically reminded me of. It's like, oh, yeah, the favorite line of every teenager who's seen this movie. Mm hmm. And I also, I, I truly don't mind Mercedes. I, I'm, I'm fine with women playing Frank because the whole role is just fuck around with gender and find out. Yep, mm-hmm. it is. Although, if you are going to cast a woman or a girl as Frank, she should be dressed like a leather daddy. You shouldn't just put her in the corset in the fishnets. That is a good point. <laughs> Which is what they do. They just put her in the corset in the fishnets. Yep. But I do appreciate that when she does sing Sweet Transvestite, she's not just doing Tim Curry. She's not trying mm-hmm. to step to Tim Curry. She's doing her mm-hmm. own thing with it. I have some other opinions about that song, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we're, we're about to get to it because it's yeah. almost the next scene. Like, so, so mm-hmm. okay, also, the next scene, Will says it's their first dress rehearsal, which I don't think the people who wrote this know what a dress rehearsal is. No. Because dress rehearsal, so dress rehearsal, the last rehearsal before you go on. Everything's already been figured out. You have all the lighting clues figured out. You have all the blocking figured out. You have the lines figured out. You're in your costume. So sorry, Finn. Like, you can't go on and say, I'll save myself in my undies for the next scene, for when we actually perform it. No, you have to be in your undies now so that we know that everything is still good. Mm-hmm. Lighting and balance. And check the lighting. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, balance against want- your pale, pale abs. Yeah, they want, they want to make sure you're, they're not bouncing light directly into the eyes of the audience, blinding them. <laughs> also... Yeah. Also, they seem to be starting this dress rehearsal at the scene for Sweet Transvestite. Also, Sam barges in before they start singing, and he says, I'm worried that I'm going to show some nudge to the audience. Because he's a, a 15 or 16 year old in high school. In a thong. Yeah. In a thong. In a, in a Speedo. Um, also, the, when he asks for some basketball shorts, I am reminded that when Fox did their live Rocky Horror Let's Do the Time Warp Again thing with Laverne Cox... They put Rocky in gold basketball shorts. <laughs> really? And if you want to hear me having a nervous breakdown about that, you can listen to the I Will Fight You episode on Rocky Horror Picture. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> I hated that so much. Yeah. I hated it so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mercedes, she does sing Sweet Transvestite. And to, uh, I listen to this, she does the best that she can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's doing, she's at least doing her own thing with it. She's not trying to be Tim Curry, uh, mm-hmm. which Laverne Cox was just doing Tim Curry with this song, from what I recall. And also, they fucked up the elevator intro because the way that, the way that, uh, Sweet Transvestite starts in the movie, at the very least, is that as the elevator's coming down, it's coming down slowly. And there mm-hmm. is this, there's this, like, drum beat in the background that is matching up to Frank stomping his great big chunky fuck-off high heel against the floor <laughs> of the elevator as it's coming down. So there's this wonderful mm-hmm. buildup of anticipation before Frank turns around and, and Janet screams and faints. And this has yeah. none of that. I real Again, I realize it's a 42-minute episode of television, but there's stuff you make time for. I... <laughs> I have a, I have a theory that I've just come up with in universe as to why they couldn't do that. Maybe they had a student or two being like the belay for the elevator behind the scenes because they couldn't get an actual elevator. So they're like, okay, go 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 go. Otherwise, we're going to get shot up into the rafters. 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose they didn't want to catapult some freshmen into the ceiling. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, what what Tina and Santana get to do when they're not being Columbia and Magenta. Mm-hmm. I think Sweet's Transvestite is good. I think Amber does a good job with the vocals. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, like y'all said, she's doing her own thing. She's not trying to be Tim Curry. Yeah. They did gender swap the lyrics, though. And make some other changes to the lyrics that made me angry. <laughs> yeah, so hundred dollars to the playwright. <laughs> the main one that I heard was they changed transsexual to sensational, which okay, okay. So there's our barometer. Transsexual, don't say it. The teasler, go for it. Yeah, can't say transsexual. Can drop a T bomb. Also sensational. Okay, there, we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> yeah. The fact that that's the replacement word they have for transsexual. Ugh. Also, it does just ruin the alliteration. Yeah, yeah. also also there's a bit where uh, she says, uh, I'm not much of a girl by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. Now, the original s- lyric is, I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. The joke there being... That Frank is openly admitting, I can't perform masculinity very well, but it's okay because I fuck like a champion. Uh, which loses something when you switch it over to girl. Yes. Yeah. Unless they had dressed her as a leather daddy. Unless they had dressed her as a leather daddy. I hope the fact that I'm saying fuck all the time isn't a problem here. Oh, <laughs> no. The- no, that's fine. I realize I forgot to ask whether I could say fuck. <laughs> Yes. Every, everyone for, here's the, I think I've noticed a pattern. All of our guests forget to ask if they're allowed to say fuck because they watch an episode of Glee and they decide I'm gonna be saying fuck no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, pr- pretty good job. Don't like the lyric changes. Should have been dressed as a leather daddy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as she goes up. Carl bursts in on his Eddie motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and he's, he's like, hey, Will, is it, hey, director, is it okay if I bust through the wall? And Will is like, you are 2x early and you have destroyed the set. Here's the thing <laughs> that pissed me off about this. <laughs> yup. Is that, is that Will says, oh, no, you're not supposed to bust in here. You're supposed to bust in during the dinner party scene. No, Eddie is not supposed to bust in during the dinner party scene. He is the dinner during the dinner party scene. <laughs> <laughs> On the menu tonight is John Stamos. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Do you want to see the most uncomfortable scene now? Time for something that I muted again. I can't. <sighs> Okay, yeah, oh this god. This is the third time I have muted a scene in Glee for this podcast. Yeah, we have another actress trying to do Susan Sarandon and not particularly succeeding. <laughs> I'd, I'd argue that she succeeds more than Rachel. Yes. <laughs> because she has the eyes of a baby deer. <laughs> I, I, I can handle the lead up if y'all want to talk about the musical number itself. Go for it. <laughs> so... Will Will has summoned Emma to a classroom at the school after hours, and he's like, there's a problem with Rocky Horror. It's Carl. And him being here has made some things too uncomfortable. But he takes that completely out of context because the only thing that I saw was, like, Sam telling Will, like, hey, you shouldn't be Rocky. You're a high school student. I'm sorry for sexualizing you. And Sam's like, yeah, those shorts were very uncomfortable. Uh <laughs> And so Will says, because of this, I have assumed the part of Rocky. 
Do you really and feel Emma, like you solved that problem, Will? Will has solved the problem of adults uh, being in sexual situations with students by putting himself, an adult, into a sexual situation with students. I'm sure this will end much better than last time you did the exact same thing and caused a Britney Spears sex riot. Yes. I, I will have a note about that uh, when it with, that we can talk about either now or after a couple of scenes. <laughs> when do you feel like the timing is best? Um, let's go now. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so Will has decided that he is going to be Rocky. Rocky, who has sex scenes with Janet, who is played by a Rachel, high schooler, <laughs> a high school student, played um, by what is very clearly a thirty-year-old, but still, yes, Kit, played very clearly by a thirty-year-old who dated the teacher's actor. Okay. They dated it in real life before the show started. We don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> they, Kit, I, I was on the TV Tropes page, and before Glee started, Matthew Morrison, the teacher, and Leah Michelle, Broadway, uh, Broadway teen star person, um, they played Janet and Brad in a be- in a benefit concert together. Their their age difference is enough that we're side eyeing it, but it wasn't technically illegal. <laughs> You know, when you say something's not technically illegal, that's a pretty big red flag. Yeah, the yes. technically the technically has some klaxons around it. Yes. <laughs> technically legal is my least favorite kind of legal. <laughs> yeah. So here's an extra disgusting layer of Will being Rocky. <sighs> and now I turn it over to you two for the discussion of the musical number. Yeah. Bad! Bad. It's bad. Uh, okay, so first of all, this is Touch a Touch Me, which Will was talking about cutting numbers. How was this not on the list of numbers he cut? Like, if anything could be cut from a production of Rocky Horror, it's Touch a Touch Me, I feel. <laughs> That's a, this is a song entirely about fucking. I'm not- yes. I'm not- I'm No, not it's talk- about bad fretting. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, so- um, <laughs> Okay, so they changed- they changed they changed some of the lyrics about the song that's explicitly about fucking. That the dance of which is simulated fucking. And, yes. and and they and they and the original lyric is something like I said there's no use getting into heavy petting. It only leads to something I forget and bedwetting. They changed it to heavy sweating and bed fretting. Okay, listen. You you could say heavy petting on network television in 2010. I know this for a fact, Kit. That you could do that. I I would like to interject here with the fact that um, Glee broke some barriers two episodes ago with the first use of scissoring as a as a word in dialogue on network television. Okay, yes, but heavy petting was in heavy use on television up to that point. <laughs> heavy sweating, bed fretting. I hate this. I hate this. Also, because they fill the roles of Columbia Magenta, Brittany and Santana are like lurking in the window, watching this whole mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Watching, watching the uh, the striptease that is occurring, uh, yep. and the lap dance. <laughs> yeah, and then when they get their solo part, they like run down the hallway hand in hand with because schoolgirl teen lesbians, and that part's actually cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I did mm-hmm. like that part. That was actually kind of cute. I do realize that the song needed the peanut gallery of, of, of Columbia and Magenta watching, but it did did it have to be a couple of teenagers? Yeah. 
I mean, the, if it was if it was going to be, that's those those are the best options? Question mark. Mm-hmm. It'd be weird if they went with Quinn and Tina. Yes. And then and then everyone does show up at the end for the Creature of the Night segment, just like they do in the play. And I cannot believe they did the Creature of the Night sequence. I cannot believe they put that in. I can. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like me the, either. Like, I I don't like the I don't I don't like the characters they picked for it. <laughs> I the only reason they had Emma sing this musical number is because Jamie Mays auditioned for Glee with it. <laughs> Bonkers. Bonkers yonkers. And she's not a very good Susan Sarandon. <laughs> yeah, it gets weird. The vibe gets weird. And also, like... It's it's also playing up how hot this teacher is with his shirt off, but again, it's just more extruded hunk product. <laughs> I thought he was hot when I was younger. Um, I have a bit more standards now. I, I I feel like as a lesbian, I probably don't have the appreciation for it that I should, but also like I I have seen shirtless men where it's like, yeah, I can see the appeal of that, and none of them are on this show. Anyway, speaking of sex appeal, oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh the the next scene is uh. Sam uh, saving Finn from doing some weightlifting, and they're both stressing out about being uh, physically fit enough to fit the roles in Rocky Horror. Yeah, Finn, and... is lift- Finn is doing bench presses without a spotter? Yeah, because look, Finn has one brain cell. Sometimes it's here, sometimes it's not. <laughs> it's a great way to get killed, folks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so again, though, this this does play into the almost subplot about male body image. Yeah. S- Sam gives him the advice of just be you and the sexy will flow will flow through, which is not which is not terribly bad advice as evidenced by the entirety of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Meatloaf in particular. <laughs> why wasn't Meatloaf invo- invoked as like why wasn't Eddie slash Meatloaf invoked as like an example of like a dude with dad bod, but he's hot? Because Ryan Murphy. <sighs> Ryan Murphy didn't find him attractive, so didn't feel like it was worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Murphy has too high standards. He only casts men he has a crush on in his works. Ah, that's why they all look the same. Exactly. <laughs> that's why I can't tell them apart. That's why it looks like I'm hitting random in the character creator of game that's like ex- exclusively about John Q video game. Yeah, you just... <laughs> You, you you put Matt Bomer, Darren Chris, Zachary Quinto, and the guy from Firefly all in one show, and you're gonna get people confused about whether the same character or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Finn Finn says, "Hey, Sam, you're right. I don't need to hide behind my muscles like you do." And Sam goes, "Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Are you insulting me?" And then Finn's like, "I'm going to go get in costume. This won't turn out badly at all." He actually does say like. Sam points out that, like, the point of Brad as a character is that, like, he's confident in his hotness even though he's a total douche, which I will agree with the second part of that sentence, but not necessarily the first. But also, when Finn walks out and says as he's leaving, I'm going to show everyone how hot and sexy I am, that is the strongest Brad energy he's had all episode. (laughs) That's the most powerful Brad energy in a single line delivery that I've ever seen outside of the actual Rocky Horror Show. 
Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sam, like, lifts up his shirt, and he finds, like, some skin he can pull on, and he's like, damn, the Cool Ranch Doritos. And I'm like, baby, you have an eating disorder. Please see therapy. That is, those oh, are some oh. dehydrated abs. You pinch oh, the skin Sam. like that, it doesn't flatten back out again at that point. Please drink some water, honey. Yeah. Hydrate, bitch. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'll drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is the Rocky Roll Call scene, which is a mess because mm-hmm. uh, Will is filling in for uh, for Finn while also being Rocky because mm-hmm. Sa- because he's Rocky now. Deep yeah. sigh. <sighs> yeah, it's it's Susan the back making comments in between every round of the Rocky Horror Roll Call, mm-hmm. uh, commenting on how the script is bad and it's got terrible pacing and blah blah blah. Which you know we know that. How do you know that? Uh, <laughs> but also the best part of seeing this in the theater is that every time it comes around to Rocky, who just wordlessly growls, the audience yells Bullwinkle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. At one point, Sue is like, this doesn't work and this is stupid. And Will is like, well, Finn isn't here and he's not answering his phone. And then the principal, uh, Figgins, shows up and it turns out that uh, Finn got busted because he decided to do a confidence walk down the hallway in his white boxers and got bullied and pulled into the principal's office. (laughs) Now, they do a lot of build up into showing this guy shirtless. And yeah. I again, I will say it again. I was bamboozled. I was mm-hmm. I was promised dad bod, and instead, what I saw was literally the same abs as Sam has. Yeah. So yeah, I I would like personal preference here. I would I am much more interested in people who are not chiseled hunks of meat because it's just it shows that you have like. That you understand that a healthy body is one that has fat included in it and is not necessarily just protein. I now, feel like I phrased that weird. I don't care anymore. <laughs> now, I will say, the, the male body issue subplot, they're trying to push this episode. This is not where it concludes. This is where it peters out. Because it's not actually resolved. I, Finn never actually learns a lesson here. And he could have. There could have been something in there. And I do want to give Finn props for the fact that, like, he is as chiseled as Sam because he's also very tall. And something, yeah. something science, it's harder to get that buff when you're taller because body huh. somethings. I'm, I'm huh. an English major. Um, <laughs> but as, um, as an AMAB person who looks at, I quite often struggle with body stuff and I have for a long time. And this could have been a good episode to say, hey, you don't necessarily have to be hot. And also someone could look that hot and still not see it in themselves. Mm-hmm. They, there could have been something with that. But instead, it's just, haha, Finn in his underwear, funny joke. Yeah. Anyway, Finn is going to be on one month suspension and summer school. And Will is able to then bargain Figgins down to a warning. But he has to get in another warning for Will about how, like, if you continue to do this, I cannot protect you from the consequences that will happen. And make sure that what, whatever that you are doing, Rocky Horror, that it's worth it. <laughs> and this is when we finally cut back to the scene that started the episode, the in media res. We are yes. finally out of res. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm calling upon very old Latin lessons from university, trying to figure out. <laughs> If you declined that noun properly. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I'm landing on probably not. I didn't major in Latin, I majored in graphic design. 
Yeah, so Carl's here. He's calling out Will for getting weirdly fucky with Emma. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we had a bro agreement that you wouldn't pursue Emma. It was yeah. weirdly homoerotic. And you know that, like, all the high schoolers are in the background like, Ooh. Well, some of them are. I'm pretty sure a couple of them are like, ah, oh, geez, this shit again. <laughs> yes, yes. Literally, yes. Yep. I do I do like that John Stamos is mentioning things like, yeah, of course Emma told me because we have this thing called communication and transparency, which is good for a relationship to have. I'm suspecting this guy doesn't stick around, though. No. No. I'm suspecting this guy gets thrown over in favor of more obtuse drama and pointless secret keeping. So, the next scene. We're almost at the end. Holly we're almost at the end of this yeah. long, long recording. This is my- by the way, this is my first three pager notes-wise. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm also yeah. on three pages here. Text edit, text edit does not track pages, so I have no idea. <laughs> um, Becky is trick-or-treating while dressed as Sue. And Will's like, sorry, I don't have any candy. I've been too busy doing Rocky Horror. And Becky says, Rocky's an abomination. That's what she <laughs> said on her pre-taped segment. <laughs> God, Becky's so great. Just the, the, the use of the word abomination in particular, I'm not sure why that made me lose it, but it is very good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Will, yeah, Will sees Sue's segment, and I want to talk about what Sue says after we finish the episode, because I feel like that plays mm-hmm. into the, um, the... Yeah, this is the grand, this is part of the grand unified theory of this fucking episode. Yeah. Um, but basically Sue's saying that children shouldn't be doing the Rocky Horror. Uh, anyways, Becky... Then tells Will, give me some chocolate or I'll cut you. (laughs) Bless. And I have a note here that just says, oh my gosh, Will is the straw man. (laughs) I mean, yes. So Will goes to confront Sue about her ploy. And Sue's like, the kids are exposed to too much bad shit these days. And Will says that the kids have the internet. And so they're looking it up themselves. And then Sue says that he shouldn't be leading them to it. And Will says, oh, good point. No more Rocky. And Sue's like, wait, no, shit, I need my local Emmy. <laughs> no, you can't cancel it, I need content. That fuck wasn't in the character of Sue. That was that was my fuck as, like, like just my anger on which side this episode comes down on. Mm-hmm. So again, we'll get into this in the Grand Unified Theory, my dissertation on this fucking episode, but stuff, god fucking damn it. <laughs> yep. And then Will's like, hey, Emma, you may have realized this, but I was only doing Rocky Horror so I could get weirdly fucky around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then Will's like, I've realized that for as long as the two of you are together, I need to back off and let you be together. Wow, you just realized. But only, uh, but only until the two of you stop dating. And, and Emma's reaction is just like, love makes it crazy. Womp womp. God. I despise these two. <laughs> I do not want them to date each other. <laughs> okay, we're almost there. Almost there. Um, Will, Will tells the Will, kids. Yes. Oh, do you want to do it? Oh, just uh, Will. Uh, the, and Will continues to apologize, and this time he apologizes to the students for trying to push them to do things that they weren't comfortable with. He especially apologizes to Finn and Sam, and Finn is like. Maybe people will stop making fun of me at the 10-year reunion. (laughs) Yeah, and Sam was invited to be in the Men of McKinley calendar, which is a concerning thing to exist. For fucking minors. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't like that that's a thing that exists. Oh, oh, don't worry. It comes back. (laughs) Really? Thanks, I hate it. It comes back. 
That's the fucking plot thread they follow up on? Yes. Circle your calendars. Circle your Amanda McKinley calendars for season four. Oh, no. But yeah, they Will has a speech about, oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show isn't about, pu- it isn't about pushing boundaries. It's about outcasts. And we're all outcasts. Okay, so, listen. We're so all we're not doing All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay, Christina, Shit. you had you had to know that this was going to invoke the most rage from both Tanner and I. <laughs> you had yeah. to know that this was going to. Yes, okay, because like, listen. Is yours. Okay, listen. The this is true. <laughs> the 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 Rocky Horror Picture Show as an entity, as a midnight showing, did attract a large community of outcasts. But you know why these people were outcasts? It's because their very identities were considered transgressive by the society they lived in and the society that we still live in. Uh, the outcasts don't happen by accidents. It's not a natural state. They have to be cast out from something. Exactly. Cast out because they are pushing boundaries and having rebellious points of view. It goes hand in hand. <laughs> yes. Outcasts are not outcasts are not born. They are created by society. When society decides they don't like them for some reason. <sighs> that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Assigned outcast of birth. <laughs> Uh. Is is this a good point to talk about the unified theory? Uh, and so they, they close off the episode by doing the time warp, and they change up who is singing stuff because they wanted to get the whole group in on it. Personally, I like it because Tina and Brittany get small solos in it, mm-hmm. and I like Curtis Riffraff, and they didn't do enough with Curtis Riffraff. They didn't. That's it. Okay, go. Okay, now the grand unified theory of this fucking episode. Yes. Tanner, jump in whenever jump in whenever you want, because I feel like you and I have very similar feelings on this. Should, should, should I say should I give the Sue monologue first? Yeah, give the Sue monologue and we'll dissect the Sue monologue. <laughs> so on on Sue's corner corner, Sue says, Artists are free to push boundaries to make art, but when pushing boundaries is their only aim, the result is usually bad art. There's a time and a place for everything, and squeamishness about what we want our children exposed to is not the same as bigotry. <laughs> Freedom-loving adults are free to have an open, lively debate about what we want our society to be, but let's not make our children fight the culture war for us. They deserve it a little better than that, and that's how Sue sees it. And the episode represents this as, like, the correct, accurate point of view. Yep. As evidenced by the fact that Will agrees with it later. <sighs> okay, again, this is this is not a debate. This is not a debate about whether sexually explicit material like hockey, Rocky Horror, sexually explicit material like hockey RPF. No, Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> How does hockey RPF keep finding me? <laughs> oh my god. I just did a whole podcast on how it sneaks up on you. <laughs> This is not. This is not a. This is not a question of whether sexually explicit mirror, material like that that is in Rocky Horror is acceptable for high schoolers to be watching. Because the answer to that is unequivocally probably not. But this is a, definitely a question of the use of the word bigotry is what really gives it away. Yeah. Is 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 queerness suitable for high schoolers? And it's like, oh, well, let's keep it. You know, let's 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 mm-hmm. let's let our kids seek this out for themselves and not you know. Uh, uh, inflicted on them, which, oh boy, there was an entire Thatcherite law about that where it was illegal to promote homosexuality to minors, which led to, like, decades of silence and, you know, also, you know the, the, like, the UK is still reeling from its effects ever since. Abigail Thorne on Philosophy Tube did a very good episode called Ignorance, which is about sort of, like, 
the the tail end of the episode is about the cultural the cultural like the constructed ignorance and the constructed silence around things like gender nonconformity and being transgender and how scarring and horrible that can be for a person when you when you don't know what you don't know you just know that something's wrong and <laughs> sorry I'm hitting my microphone now I'm so angry <laughs> I keep gesturing with my hands and I keep hitting the microphone and it's 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 the it's the constructed silence and the constructed ignorance around something that people really need to know but people keep thinking that if you know if we don't tell kids that you know gender nonconformity and being transgender is a thing then they won't turn out that way this was the same constructed silence around uh homosexuality and queerness in general that is slowly dripping away but it still stays like th- this episode doesn't mention transgender people except for like one slur like yeah I'm just ranting now. <laughs> if if they don't talk about it, then it doesn't exist. Yeah, and there's and and therefore, like you know, oh well, queerness is inherently inappropriate for children. Uh, it's it's part of the culture war. We should keep it away from the children. And it's 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 no, it's part of who they are. It's part of who they are from, if not birth, very very early on. And trying to construct silence around it only makes children suffer. Yeah, and so so this this does bring it back around to. My half joke earlier about how this is also the Kink of Pride episode because hey, that debate it seems to be like even bigger than normal this year. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, the 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 argument against it is that we cannot expose children to this, which it basically goes back to the exact same thing Kit was just saying. And it's also the fact that like th- there might be some stuff there that if you know it's involved in sex stuff, then you know. But kids don't know, and literally, there's been so many kids. I have been at Pride with children, and they go, "Hey, why is that person dressed toe to tip in leather, except including a thong?" And the parents go, "Oh, it's a fun outfit for grown-ups to wear." And the kid goes, "Cool." And what's that person dressed of? Spider-Man. Awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. And and Sue and Sue says if you're making if you're pushing boundaries just for the sake of pushing boundaries that's bad art and that's uh, trying to be like a dig at Rocky Horror which first mm-hmm. off if you're gonna say Rocky Horror bad why do you do a whole episode about Rocky Horror but also Rocky Horror isn't doing it just for funsies Rocky Horror is doing it Rocky Horror is doing it to survive it's, yeah it's Rocky- satire <laughs> it is a satirical show of both B movies and gender stupidity. <laughs> Yeah, it is it is it is a scream into that constructed silence around queerness. It is it says you want us to be transgress you, you decided we're transgressive? Okay, we're going to be transgressive then. We're going to be the most loudly transgressive we can be because we refuse to be silent about who we are. To quote Luke one time when he was hosting Rocky Horror, we do not give a shit what you think about what we like or how we like it. Yep. And it all it all comes around to the, like when I said Will is the straw man, it's because Will is this mythical figure that is using pride as a way to quote unquote indoctrinate children by exposing them to horrible gay things. Those people don't exist except when they're literally a 4chan psyop. And I agree, I do agree that you need to, need to make spaces for not just children but a lot of people at pride events b- because it shouldn't all just be about kink there needs to be a, a wide variety of all things pride can be mm-hmm. and some people are not 100% down on just things that are just sex and like sex as satire stuff they want to just vibe with their their coffee house gaze essentially and the children obviously they just want to know that this is something i can be without worrying like this isn't just an adult thing this is something i can be and it doesn't define me mm-hmm. i am not wording this right you're kind of you're getting the right you got the spirit <laughs> It's like, when I was younger, 
I, I was worried that kink was all there is. And so I was thinking, oh, I can't be gay because I'm not interested in all this quote-unquote gay stuff. And then I was exposed to wider variety of things. And I was like, oh no, this makes more sense now. Um, and so I, th there does need to be a wide variety of options available, but we should not be sanitizing things because quite often the sanitization of Pride events is for the sake of straight people. And quite often the straight people who say, I'm f the, the, the love, the sin or hate the sin kind of yeah. quote unquote mm -hmm. allies. They're not really allies if they're like that, but they're going to say they yeah. are. The rainbow yeah. capitalists. There you go. The Catholic church. Become unmarketable. Yes. And you know what? Those spaces exist. It's just that the Puritans don't use them. <laughs> yeah. Because they'd rather complain about somebody wearing a dog mask at Pride. <laughs> yes. So, so what, what I'm trying to say is we, we create new spaces for, for those people but instead of taking away the old spaces. And the people who want those spaces, quite often, they're not going to be the ones saying take away the old spaces. Mm -hmm. So my, my TLDR, my cold hard fact for this episode... <laughs> <laughs> is that rock, Rocky Horror is inappropriate for children, and they should watch it anyway. <laughs> the whole yeah. point, the whole appeal of it is that it is wildly inappropriate for children. Yeah, so, so that was that was our dissertation on why this on why show bad, <laughs> and also no pigs at Pride. <laughs> yes, 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 that too. Yes, all cops, all cops are bastards. No, okay, now here's. <laughs> Stay away. Here, Here's my question about a corollary. Is it okay if there's they're not a cop, but they're dressed as a cop for kink purposes? Yes. <laughs> gotcha. However, the chaps do have to be assless. Exactly. <laughs> That's just a fun phrase. The only blue lives that matter are those guys and Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, the only brand that says gay rights and I believe them. Oh, one more thing. So, you know what's you know what's a show that pushes boundaries just for the sake and makes bad art becomes of it? It's Glee. Glee. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's fine though because the two boys kissed on Glee, therefore homophobia is over. Homophobia is over. Oh God. <laughs> God. Anyway, uh, go watch the Philosophy Tube episode on ignorance. It's very good. <laughs> I will have to look into that. Um, and it is, is at this point in the episode where we have to ask you, Kit, what song do you want to give a gold star to? Oh. What was your favorite song they did? Uh, I'm going to go by not what's my favorite Rocky Horror song because it's Hot Patootie, but by like what version of it I think was like what which Rocky song they did best here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, honestly... As weird as the vibes were for Touch It Touch Me, it was a pretty good rendition of Touch It Touch Me. I'm not sure it's my gold star. Fascinating. <laughs> mm, I'm looking at my notes here, starting to see which has the least angry notes underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, like of, of all of those, the one that I had the best time listening to was double, Science Fiction Double Feature. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to second that one. Christina, how about yourself? Um... Even though not a lot happened, I think I'm gonna have to say that uh, that Time Warp was actually my favorite musical number they did, because even if they insisted on putting Mercedes as Frank in Scrubs instead of like the corset and fishnets and stuff, and having some costume changes, everyone seemed like they were having a fun time. Like both both the actors 
and the characters were having a good time and also everyone got to sing a little bit, which was nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, honestly, I think their version of Time Warp was pretty good. I was just so angry by the time it came around. <laughs> I yeah. I couldn't <laughs> devote a lot of energy to taking it in. <laughs> Valid. Yeah. Um, and now, Kit, a, a non-singing moment that you would like to give a gold star to. Um, I think it's gotta be I'm going as a peanut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the energy in that one line was so lethal, and I'm so into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Christina, how about you? Uh, Give me a chocolate bar, I will cut you. (laughs) See, I had a feeling you might pick that one, and so since you picked that one, I'm just going to go with Brittany and Santana. Their touch me's- oh no, I guess that's a singing moment too. So no, yeah, Becky cutting- Becky threatening Will with violence. (laughs) If Bucky Barnes had also appeared to threaten Will with violence, that would be my favorite moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every piece of media could be improved by Bucky Barnes threatening people with violence. Yes. In the Glee boot, Becky is going to dress as Winter Soldier for Halloween. <laughs> nice. And now, Kit, this is the hardest question of all. Okay. What was the worst moment of the show that you want to give a slushy to? You oh, can Jesus. only pick one. I, c- I can only pick one. Oh, God. Uh... Well, you... It- it can be a if you want to go general. It can be general. We just need to be able to fit it into one box on our Google sheet. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We have gone with concepts before. The concept of Rachel has come up quite often. <laughs> yes, I think for me the absolute nadir of the episode was Will realizing that Sue was right and agreeing with it. I think that's the absolute nadir. Like I, I can I can accept the Sue's monologue on its own. Because it's honest to the emotional reality of the character, I feel. I don't know much about the character, but that that all felt like genuine to the character. But Will g- agreeing with it just felt like such a betrayal at that point that I think that's the actual yeah. nadir of it for me. Fair. Um, mine is Will getting fucky with Emma. Yeah, that was yeah. also very bad. <laughs> yeah. Christina. Hard tea. Oh, right. There was a tea bomb. And I got so mad at the rest of this episode that I forgot the hard tea was in there. <laughs> and you know what? Usually, uh, all the other times that they've like said a mm-hmm. slur or been blatantly transphobic, that's usually eclipsed things. But I feel like the, the other two things we picked were so bad, they, they do mm-hmm. get up there. Yes. Like, even though we're not, like, giving, even though we're not, like, ranking our bests and worsts like with a point system i am i'm glad because this means we get to cover more ground into things that were absolutely shitty about the episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) hey we will give no quarter (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's that that sure was (laughs) that sure was glee finally I'm tired. I'm actually physically tired now. <laughs> yeah. Now, Kit, now you know how, how we felt after recording an episode on the Smurfs movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you do that to yourselves? Because we needed between season content and Neil Patrick Harris and Jamie Mays were both in the Smurfs movie. Anyways, this is now the part of the episode where since Christina started, I get to say, there's a like me as a part of the wait, Corner Podcast wait. Network. Oh. We have a guest. What? Yeah, but the guest says things after I do the outro. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Please I don't, get me I don't know I, what's happening. <laughs> That's I forget. We, we haven't had anyone on the show in, a, in one recording, so we forgot how we do things. <laughs> yeah, we tipped our ears. It all poured out. 
Lose It Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. If we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found on Twitter at LoseItLikeMePod and through LoseItLikeMePod at gmail.com. Kit, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being willing to take the sacrifice upon yourself to discuss a fucking episode of Glee with us. <laughs> well, I'm always up for discussing Rocky Horror, even if it means inflicting other terrible things upon myself. Yep. Um, where can people find you on the internet if they want to cite your dissertation for their own graduate <laughs> paper? Uh... Uh, well, actually, it's genuinely hard to find me on the internet these days. Uh, the easiest spot to find me would probably be I have a blog over on Dreamwith, uh, inferiorwit at .dreamwith.com, or .org, because it's a nonprofit. And then uh, I'm also on Mastodon, uh, cyber.space, cyber spelled C-Y-B-R-E, dot space, slash, at inferiorwit. <laughs> If you're wondering, uh, hey, this this seems like it's incredibly difficult to actually get access to Kit on the internet, uh, that's because it is, and that's on purpose. <laughs> you can also, as mentioned before, listen to me on uh, a couple of podcasts. I am on Gem Jammer as the DM. I am on I Will Fight You as the curmudgeon. I am on a YouTube series called Date Me Damn It, also as the curmudgeon. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> various other things like this. Uh, and I have a book if you really want to read it. Uh, it's called Endling 600 Years from Home. Ooh. You can get it uh, where, wherever most ebooks are sold, and you can also get a hard copy off of Amazon or uh, Lulu. The Lulu one is like the fancy hardcover one, but it is more expensive than the one you get off Amazon, which I believe is like eight whole American dollars. But also then you're not supporting a megacorp. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Which one but do you also- get more money from? Oh, good. Uh, yeah, the one I get more money from uh, is, honestly, uh, the biggest cut would be from if you just went to uh, the website directly, endlingseries.com, and bought it off of, like, Gumroad uh, or Itch. Someone actually just bought one of my books off of Itch today. Uh, oh, nice. So, yeah, endlingseries.com has, like, all the various uh, vendor links for that. If you if you so desire to read a book that is basically uh, Farscape but gayer. <laughs> Wonderful. Nice. Also, it's pride. Buy my shit. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> support queer support queer artists and not rainbow capitalism. So uh, if there if there is a queer artist or writer or creative that you know and uh, you want and and they have something for sale, buy that. <laughs> um. And then uh, speaking of Pride Month, I don't think the episode comes out in time for Pride. But next episode, we introduce Darren Chris as the target of little gay boy Kurt's affection. Yes. They're not kissing yet. Yes, but the Darren seeds have been planted. Actually, honestly, honestly, yes. <laughs> hot take. But in my opinion, the next episode was a cultural reset. <laughs> At least for the Glee fandom. Yes. T minus, I don't know how many episodes until homophobia is over. <laughs> We pop in mad bottles when our Karofsky ship sails. Oh. Uh. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> um, but that's all next time. Anyways, uh, Kit, when when we end an episode, we count down three, two, one, and then we say, and that's what you missed on Glee. Okay. <laughs> so, and it doesn't have to sync up. It's almost better if it doesn't. Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm about to tell you, it's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> so... Three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what you that's missed what on you missed Glee. On Glee. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that came out like Beautiful. a train wreck. <laughs> we fucking survived. We survived, y'all. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me. Loser like me. And my idea for a bit is just when me and Christina introduce ourselves for this episode, Kit, if you could do the asshole and slut to us. <laughs> which one of you is the asshole and which one of you is the slut? Oh, God. I, 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 would, I, I would like to ask that I be the asshole because I canonically cannot be a slut. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll have my little ace pride flag waving over here. Woo! <laughs>